We are here with Sierra Kellogg on the Fitness Retention Podcast. Sierra, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Alex. How's your day going? Uh, it's been good. So far, so good. Awesome. How are you? Um, it's going well. Can't complain. <laughs> um, so take, uh, take the listeners and the audience through a little bit of background about um, what you're doing now, how you got to that point, kind of your journey in working in the fitness industry. All right. I guess I'll, I'll just start at the beginning. Um, Good so place. <laughs> <laughs> I originally, what got me into movement in general was um, I was trained as a dancer my whole life. So I did ballet growing up and then I went to boarding high school for dance. And then I went to Boston Conservatory for ballet and modern dance. Hmm. So that was kind of what led me into being active. Right. And, moving. Um, but when I left Boston Conservatory, I moved to San Francisco and I was like really looking for a career that I could help people and incorporate movement. And so that's when I started doing personal training. Um, I worked at 24 hour fitness for two years, about two years. And then I left and I was independent for three years there. And then I moved down to Long Beach. So now I'm living down here. I've started to build up an independent business down here, but I'm also working out of a gym called Olympics Fitness, mm -hmm. which is, um, it's a newer gym. It's been around for, I think about two years down here, but it's really nice. It has like rooftop view of the oceans. Awesome. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So that's kind of like my progression for training at, during that time I, I was doing personal training, but then I started doing yoga as well. So I did my yoga teacher training started teaching at studios and gyms. Um, so now I kind of do a little balance of both. It's pretty even. Yoga. Cool. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about the transition between going from working at a corporate gym to running your own business. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I was working at 24, I, it, it was kind of like a false sense of security working at a corporate gym. Cause I was like, okay, I had like a stable, pool of people to draw from, mm -hmm. but I wasn't really making much money at all there, um, just like per hour. So when I left, I was really scared to leave and go independent. And then when I did, it ended up being way easier than I thought it would have been just because like I already knew so many people. A lot of the clients that I had came with me, like they followed me to where I went. Mm -hmm. um, so I anticipated it being much, much harder than it actually was, I think, to transition into independent. But the hardest part of it was probably learning how to run the business side of things. Mm -hmm. So like the, the training I knew how to do, but the business and like tracking all of like how many sessions the clients used and how much money do they owe and all of that was a whole new thing and marketing. <laughs> so if you could, if you could kind of like, recommend for people that are thinking about going from maybe a corporate gym or kind of like a bigger box gym to running their own business, what shortcuts would you recommend people taking? If they're transitioning from like a bigger gym to independent. Yeah. Basically like what did you make mistakes on that other people could avoid? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing would be to be really organized and have a plan, like know exactly like, okay, I need to, bring this many clients or start with this many clients in order to financially be okay, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and then also kind of have a plan of how you're going to take payments. Like how is the business going to function? Like, how are you going to be taking the payments? How are you going to know when to renew the client? Like, do you have some kind of software that you're tracking all of the, the sessions, stuff like mm -hmm. that? Um, 
yeah, just the like organization of the business, I think just putting thought into it before you make the jump. So what do you use to track those things now? So I do, um, I do a lot of spreadsheets personally, like on my own. And then I also do a scheduling. So I use my PT hub, which is like an app that you can schedule. You can also send workouts to your clients. Uh Um, and they can see like videos of how to do the workouts. Uh, it also has like, you can take payment through it. Although a lot of times I use, um, Intuit payments for like swiping a card. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of use like a few different tools. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so one of the big focuses, obviously this podcast is retention and mm-hmm. part of that goes into employee retention. So, um, I would never encourage anybody to say anything negative about brands on here. I'm kind of all about like, you know, moving the fitness industry forward or trying to do that. Um, what do you think is something that maybe big box gyms could do to retain their employees better? Um, in your well, experience. Yeah, I think so. I, I only have worked for 24 hour fitness. Um, the gym that I work for now is, uh, it's more of an independent, they're starting other locations, but it's more of an independent gym. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll speak from my experience from 24. Um, I think one of the things would have been to incorporate more uh, trainings, like giving more um, knowledge to the employees so that they can be better. Um, I think some location, I think that 24, some locations do offer more trainings than the one that I was at. Mm -hmm. So in certain situations, they may be getting more trainings and that's, I think that's awesome. I think that's a huge benefit for staying out of, at a gym. Yeah. Learning and growing. Um, and then the second thing would just be to try and at least fill their schedule so that they can make enough money to survive, you know? (laughs) Well, and and when you, when you talk about training, is that sales training? Is that how to become a better trainer? Like what, what does that entail? I think both. I mean, learning how to sell, we did go over a lot of that with sales at 24. Um, what is that training like? Cause I've, I've never had that like big box corporate training. I mean, it, I know that it's different and it's kind of like cookie cutter almost having been yeah. in sales organizations. Um, but can you talk to me about that? Yeah. So my training there, there were some things that I liked about it. Like it gave me a solid understanding of what sales is. There mm-hmm. were some things that I disagreed with. I don't like to push sales. Like yeah. if somebody says no, I'm not going to push it, you know? Yeah. So that was one of the things that I kind of disagreed with. There were a lot of like, overcoming obstacles, which is very valid and true in certain situations. I think like if a client is like, well, I'm concerned about this, you can help them figure that out. But if they're concerned to the point where they're like, I don't even want to talk about it, then they're not yeah. going to put, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was part of, I think a lot of the training was, um, when a client says like, well, this is my limiting factor. How can you overcome that? Okay. Um, and yeah. so, now that you run your own business, what do you do differently? So now if, if I encounter, if somebody comes in for a consultation and I'm like working with them and they're like, okay, these are the things that are holding me back from signing up. If there, if there are things that I can adjust in my, in my business, then that's totally doable. But if there are certain things that they just aren't ready, like, psychologically ready to invest in training and 
like change their habits and all of that, then it, it probably won't go anywhere anyway. Like they're not going to get the results they want unless they're really ready to commit to something. Yeah. So that, that's one of the things that I've changed is that I don't push it, you know, <laughs> unless they're really ready and they want it. Yeah. I think, I think nobody like really wants to be sold to, Yeah. but they want a solution to their problem. So if you can navigate the conversation that way to, I mean, I'm with you, like overcoming objections feels sleazy and feels like very kind of like 1980s, like this is how you sell. Um, (laughs) It just doesn't feel right to me. Um, So I think like, it's interesting you say like, you maybe you actually turn down clients after a consult or you don't follow up with them as maybe like regularly is, is that kind of part of the sales process for you? Yeah, I would say some people it's clear to me when they come in and kind of like by the end of our conversation, we've determined that it's not the right time in their life to be doing what they would need to do to get to where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so not that I wouldn't follow up with them. If it's somebody that's, that really is looking for a solution, but they're just not in the place where they can commit right now, I would follow up with them maybe a couple months later and just check in, see how they're doing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they'll follow up if they are still interested, but they feel like they have a little more time or, you know, so yeah. Okay. So what's your niche? Um, so I focus on like holistic wellness. So incorporating nutrition, um, mental well-being, and physical well-being all together. So how, how do you, are, are people coming to you with those specific wants or needs and you're working with those clients or do you develop that sense of like, hey, this is really important. All three of these are really important. This is how I'm going to train you. So it kind of goes, it kind of goes both ways. Yeah. Sometimes I'll get people that come in and they're like, I really am looking to like make over my whole life, you know? (laughs) So they're looking at it already from a perspective of like, I want this to be a long-term thing. And this is like a new lifestyle for me. Mm -hmm. It's really what I do is mostly like looking at all the different angles of your life, like how much you're sleeping, how much stress you have, how much exercise, how much, how your nutrition is, you know, every angle that could factor into your well being. Um, And then some people come in and they have a specific, like, I want to lose this amount of weight. And that's okay, too. But a lot of times in order to get to that goal in a healthy way, I incorporate the other things anyways. And often they're very open to the other things being incorporated. Yeah. Um, When did you realize that was your niche? Or, like, how did you develop that niche? Because when I started training, it was kind of just, like, I'll take on anyone and I'll train you know, Bob, Nancy, Joe, whatever their age, whatever their physical condition. But gradually, as I grew as a trainer, I kind of narrowed down my niche and my specialty. How did you do that? Um, well, I wouldn't, I would say I still take on a lot of people from that have a lot of different goals. So uh-huh. I don't know if I'm, I've narrowed so much that I'm not accepting everyone anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't really work with people that are like, specifically trying to like bodybuild or do shows or something because it's just not I wouldn't know what to do with them really yeah specific but um uh let's see so I I guess I started to narrow down because as I was working with people I saw that like just exercising it's not enough you know 
they would be, okay, I'm, I'm doing five workouts, I'm doing everything you told me, but I'm not getting the results. And I'm like, well, it's because of all these other variables in your life that are also affecting your progress. Yeah. So I think the real reason I narrowed down is just because that's what gets the best results is looking at everything. Yeah. So I, I know you just moved. Um, yeah. And what was that like three, four months ago? Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. having to build a new book of business. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't necessarily the most fun thing in the world. Talk to me about what what you learned when you had to build your initial book of business when you started out on your own in terms of like keeping clients for the long term. How are you now kind of like selling or positioning yourself to do that now that you're in a new market? Yeah. So, um, well, one of the things that I did when I left is that some of my clients that had been with me for a long time in San Francisco, I brought kind of with me in the sense that we started doing online training. Okay. So we still connect. Like I feel confident that they know what the right form is to do their exercises and I can basically write a program for them and they'll be okay. And I check in with them every week. Uh huh. Um, so that was kind of cool. Cause it's like, I get really attached to my clients. So I'm like, I don't want to not talk to you. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like to be able to be in contact with them regularly like that. So that was cool. And then after moving, um, Starting over, the hardest thing was really getting the first client. Like, it's so much, what I found is so much is referrals and so much is um, people being like, oh, I know this girl that does personal training, you know? And I was trying like Thumbtack and other systems to try and find clients and nothing was like happening for a while. And I was like, oh my God, this is not, (laughs) like, it was pretty scary for a little while. I was like, how do you start over in a totally new place? So once I got connected with like the first client, then like she referred somebody else. And then like, I don't know if it was just a time thing or what, but then Thumbtack started coming through, like people started reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. And Thumbtack is one of those things where like, if you hire, if you've been hired, it shows like this person's been hired this many times. Mm-hmm. So if you have zero hires on there, it's like, doesn't look so good until you get some hires and then it, it gets faster, right? Huh. So I'm, I'm actually unfamiliar with Thumbtack. Oh, really? I, mean, I know the company, but how it relates to training, I'm, I'm naive. So I only started using it when I was down here, and I kind of wish that I had started using it when I was in San Francisco because I feel like a lot of people there use apps and probably would search on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but so people can go on there and search for whatever service they're looking for, and you can list yourself as like, okay, I'm doing personal training for this much money per session. And then you can send a quote to people that are searching for that. And hmm. then if you're interested, they can communicate with you. And basically there's a small fee. If you're connected with a client and they hire you, they take a fee. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay. So it's like Craigslist, but more sophisticated. Right. <laughs> exactly. <Okay. laughs> basically. Sweet. Um, so talk to me about when you, when you have kept clients for the long term. Like, let's say, I'm, I'm assuming you're a trainer, you're still successful at it. You've had clients for maybe like a year to two years plus, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think you did to them and with them that made them stay with you for that long? And what can other businesses, like other gym businesses, how can they take a lesson from you and learn how to, to do that and implement those things? Um. I think the biggest factor was 
or is um, listening to what they want and listening to like what is going on in their life. Um, because I think it's really easy to get set in like, this is our plan and this is what we're doing and that's not how life works, you know? Yeah. So with a lot of like at some of my clients, when I, when I left San Francisco, it was really hard because one of my clients or two of my clients had been with me from the very beginning of when I started training. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I feel like we're like, I'm so used to seeing them all the time. You know, <laughs> it's hard mm-hmm. to let that go. Yeah. But one of the biggest factors with that, I mean, of course there's like personalities, like certain personalities mix better together. That's a huge variable, but also was that I saw them through all different phases of life. And I wasn't like, okay, we're going to do the same type of workout every single time I see you because it does not how her life was working or how his life was working, you know? Mm-hmm. So the other thing with that is that some of those people had to take time away and then came back. And so I think a huge thing is that when somebody does leave, not just like writing them off, like, okay, they're never my client again, mm-hmm. because a lot of times they will come back when they have the availability in their life again. So when someone, and, and I think about, I think a lot about fitness memberships, not just personal training. Yeah. When someone tries to leave a gym and a gym makes it really challenging for them to leave, I feel that the person and the data shows it as well, they're a lot less likely to actually come back if you make the leaving process painful. So Mm -hmm. how how did you kind of like cater the leaving process to to your clients? Yeah, so... um, One of the things that like I implemented just like on the business side of my training is that I usually ask for 30 days notice before a client cancels Uh completely. So, but there are certain exceptions to that. Like if somebody has a life event come up, I don't hold them to that 30 days because like if it's some big deal that they really can't be training for those 30 days, I, I guess it's just like knowing when to break the rules and knowing when to be like, okay, like this is what I would prefer, but this is not a situation where this applies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, letting them go when they need to go, you know, allowing them, helping them find the door. Yeah. Um, there's a really good book on customer experience called, would you do that to your mother? And yeah. And like a lot of times I think companies kind of just like miss the mark on delivering an experience that even though the situation may be negative, they miss the opportunity to make the negative situation as positive as possible. Right. Like charging a, a fee to leave, for yeah. example, or like if you were charging your clients that had a life event, like the rest of those 30 days or whatever. Um, okay. So talk to me a little bit about something that every gym can do or every fitness business can do to save time. Um. I mean, I think a lot of gyms are probably already doing this. Um, this might apply more for personal trainers, but making things auto streamlined. So like auto payments, auto scheduling with like auto reminders that you have an appointment. One of the things that I find trainers spend a lot of time doing is like chasing clients down being like, do you remember that we have an appointment today? <laughs> or like, yeah. um, So having an auto email or auto text, it's like you have an appointment at this time. So that the trainer's not having to worry about like, is everyone going to show up today? Do they know the right time? That saved me a lot of time is like having an auto email and then auto payments. Sorry, what? When did you learn that? 
Um, I started that. So when I first left 24, when I became independent, I used mind body software on your own. Um, yeah. And at mm. that time it was like much cheaper for an independent person to, <laughs> to use yeah. it. Now yeah. I don't use it cause it just got really, it, it's now it's more catered towards like a, a bigger, um, like a studio. A yeah, it's studio. like enterprise now. Yeah. yeah. But at that time it was really mm. awesome because it would, I could book clients in and it would send an auto email. And I did that right off the bat from the beginning of leaving. Yeah. Um, it also allowed me to schedule and take payments. So it was kind of like everything in one, which was mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, and how about same question? Um, what can every gym or fitness business do to make more money? Um, keep people happy. <laughs> okay. And how do you do that? Um, I think, well, one of the things I was thinking about is that like the way that other, that the customer feels happy is if the person that they're interacting with is also okay. And like, is happy. Right. <laughs> so like if you're, if I come into a session and I'm like all uh, miserable and negative, the client's going to be like, this session sucks, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so I think the biggest thing is like implementing self-care for the, the, employee so if it's like a, a a gym making sure that the employees are taken care of and um are happy where they are they're getting what they need to be happy mm -hmm. um and then for for trainers i think it's really important to take time to like decompress in between sessions so not like working so much that you're so burnt out that by the end of the day you're like let's just get through the session so i can go home that it's funny you say that because the the kind of like impetus for me starting this podcast was I was doing like nine ten sessions a day and I mean you can make good money if you do that like I, I wouldn't want to make that amount of money when I'm 40 but you know when I'm 28 29 that's fine but I was just thinking like I just can't handle it's not other people's baggage but just this constant flow of people venting or just sharing stuff about their kind of like emotional side three or four of those a day is fine but <laughs> those a day is like gosh it, like it doesn't you don't feel like yourself anymore after you're hearing other people's stories all day um, so true, yeah. how do you how do you do that how do you decompress how do you like maintain this passion for fitness even though maybe you like you are showing up every day kind of your best self and trying to make their time with you special, how do you rejuvenate and make like yourself feel valued and valuable? Um, so one of the things that I did is I, I don't really train more than three to four sessions in a row. Okay. So I never, I, I would never book myself 10 hours in a row. I've actually never really done 10 hours in a row. Cause I just, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> like, I just, right. Yeah. It's not, not chill. <laughs> <laughs> but some people do it and I see people do it all the time. And I think there's kind of a, in the fitness community, I think there's kind of a, a push for like people feel like it's good to work really hard. Uh -huh. And I don't think that's necessarily good for the trainer, you know? <laughs> so yeah, what I, I do is, um, I like to meditate. I like to like read books that are inspiring, that kind of like feed my soul, you know, mm -hmm. things that like bring me back down to earth. And then also like having things outside of your business that are fulfilling to you. So like, I like to dance. Um, 
I like spending time with my dog. <laughs> I like to like socialize with people that are not even anywhere related to my work. Yeah. Um, doing things that like clear the space and clear the, your mind, make you think about other things for a while. It just like rejuvenates you, I guess. What's one book that you've read recently that had a big impact on you? Um, well, I read, this book was not the most recent book I read, but um, there's a book called Fail, Fail Again, Fail Better by Pima Chodron. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. So um, it's all about like how to take all the fail failures in your life and learn from them and allow them to be like, like every time you're failing, you're failing better at failing, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're growing more and instead of taking the mindset that it's like once you fail it's done that's it that's actually the starting point for growth is when you fail so what's a failure that you've had in your business um well i'm sure there are many but <laughs> let's see maybe i mean i think some of the things that have been difficult for me is certain maintaining certain client relationships when I like one of the things that's hard for me is when clients cancel last minute mm -hmm. or when like when I feel like my time is being taken advantage of basically and I think one of the hardest things for me to learn was how to communicate about that in the right way to the client when I'm really irritated you know <laughs> so how do you do that um, so what I, I mean, what I've started doing is when I first meet a client, I bring it up right off the bat. Like I just, not in a way that's like, you can never cancel, but just in a way that's like, if, if you need to cancel, try to give me 24 hours notice that allows me to book another client. Sometimes people are really looking for a time slot and they like to have that time if you're not available, you know? Yeah. So allowing them to see that like other people are waiting on those times. It's not just that I'm getting pissed off because you're not here. <laughs> you know? How do you, how do you phrase, if someone does kind of bail on you last minute, how do you phrase that to them? How do you package that nicely? Uh, so, well, I mean, I have a 24 hour cancellation policy. So usually the first time I'll say, um, no worries this time, but I do have a 24 hour cancellation policy. So next time I have to charge you for the session. Mm -hmm. um, so, and on the other end of that, I kind of feel like the 24 hour cancellation policy is kind of an accountability thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if, like, if you are, have a schedule appointment with a doctor and you don't show up, they're going to charge you. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, in some ways it sucks for the client because if it's a last minute thing and it's really something that should not be, they shouldn't be charged for it, I won't charge them. Yeah. But in other situations, if it's just like, uh, I don't feel like coming today, I'm going to cancel then it really is accountability because it's yeah. like we're here to exercise, to work out, to be healthy. So, yeah. Um, what are you for in fitness? Um, I'm for everything that's focused on making the individual happy with themselves, happy with their life, um, more comfortable in their own skin. So confidence, um, and that looks different for every person, I think. So just finding the activities, finding the ways of living that work for each person. I think that's really what I'm for is figuring out what's best for each person. How do you, what, what, what kind of questions do you ask to get someone to open up so that you can cater 
the service that you provide to help them achieve those things? Um, I ask, so I ask about their exercise. I ask about their nutrition. I ask about their sleep and their stress level. Um, I also ask about like in the past, what things have happened that made you feel really good or what have you done that got you closer to where you wanted to be? Mm -hmm. Um, I ask about like situations where like, if you were in your dream life, what would it look like? You know, yeah. <laughs> letting them imagine like a lot of, I think sometimes people don't realize that like they can have the life that they want, you know, like it's just in their head, like, Oh, that would be cool to have that. But actually like you can have it if you want it. It's just a matter of like creating small steps towards that. So asking like what, if there were no obstacles, what would that look like? What would your ideal life look like? And it's, it's funny, like, it's funny, it's kind of hard to ask that without sounding like preachy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you can do it. But yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a firm, firm believer in the fact that, like, every, our reality is just what you create it to be, yeah. what you've created in your head. Um, but it sounds like we both meditate and both believe that. So maybe we're like to <laughs> pie in the sky for <laughs> everybody <Yeah>. else. Um, <laughs> what, what are you against in fitness? Um, it's hard to answer because I feel like some of the things that I'm against are like, I'm against them for me. Like they're not good for me, but it might be good for other people, you know? So like, I, I don't like anything that's destructive to the body or destructive to like your psychological state. So like trying to get as thin as possible because you think you need to look that way, but then you're starving, like obviously like unhealthy behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a hard time with like, like fitness competitions because I feel like it's not really healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, although I understand that some people really gain a lot of fulfillment from like going through that process of like, I'm going to get my body to look a certain way. And then it's that day I'm done, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it works for some people. I think for me, that would make me crazy trying to go through that process of like cutting all the way down and then. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. I'm good. I like peanut butter too much. Yeah. (laughs) That's my main (laughs) thing is I can't cut out some things are never going to (laughs) go. Um, what are three things that will always be in your gym bag? Hmm. Well, I, I usually like to have a lacrosse ball roll out. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to have a TheraBand. Um, I had, I've sprained my ankles like multiple times and I had an ankle surgery in one ankle. So I like to do like ankle strengthening things with a TheraBand. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing would probably be some kind of food. <laughs> okay. What's your, what's your like go-to quick meal right now? Beef jerky. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Flavored or non-flavored? Usually I like the teriyaki. Um, what brand? That's, it kind of depends. Like it depends where I am when I pick it up or, you know. So like but, Jack Link's? Uh, I don't know. I've never had that. <laughs> Is it bad? <laughs> no, it's just like the, the one with the Sasquatch on all the commercials. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so how can, how can people that maybe are new to the industry how can they take shortcuts to building a business and a life that they want um, 
by like, what's the shortcut to keeping clients long-term so that you don't have to go through that phase of like constant customer acquisition? Um, I think the first step would be in the consultation, really listen to what they want and then really plan the program around what they want. Um, and then remember that throughout that time working together, it's, those things will change. Like they might not want the same thing they said at the beginning, three months into the program. So, uh, communicating, I guess, talking to them, making sure that they like feel like they're getting what they wanted out of training and making sure. And I think that's a really hard conversation to have because you don't really want to hear them be like, well, actually I don't like what we're doing. <laughs> you yeah. know? But I think it's good to ask like, is this what you wanted? You know? And if not, then let's adjust it. So it's what you want. Mm -hmm. and continuously having that conversation throughout the time working together. How often do you have that conversation with your average client? Usually I try to bring it up at least once a month. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I like do measurements once a month. I'll do like a check-in once a month to just to see how we're progressing, depending on their goals. If some people don't care about the measurements, then I don't do it. But if that's a part of the goal, I'll measure them at least once a month. Um, and so usually during that time, it's a good time to bring up, okay, like we're getting these results. What do you think we need to adjust in the program to make you happier, or to make this work better for you? And have you ever gotten any particularly rough pieces of feedback from your clients? You know, the only like rough feedback I've gotten has been through, <laughs> that's the hard part about being independent is that people don't ever want to tell you something bad to your face. Mm -hmm. You know, like they might mention like, oh, I'm unhappy with this part and that's fine. But the, the more often, more often I've gotten bad feedback from managers at gyms or like somebody else that they went to, to talk to, because I think people just don't feel comfortable being like, yeah, I'm really unhappy about this right yeah. to your face, you know, which yeah. is a hard because I really actually really want the feedback. So that's one of the things that I'm still kind of working on. Like, how do I maybe sending out an email that's a survey? Like, do you like this parts of, you know, or I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of against survey, not not surveys in general, but just like the A, B, C, D, E, you right. know, because there's so much more that goes into a, like a purchasing decision, especially like, I don't know what your rates are, but let's just use like a standard like $100 an hour. Yeah. That's expensive. Yeah. And just getting like A, B, C, D, E feedback to me doesn't seem like the best way to actually get the kind of intel that you want right you want like well ideally i would want like short answers you know like yeah. <laughs> the question can you give me a little detail about how yeah. you feel about it huh that would that would be an interesting like software to get like constant feedback after every session from a client yeah that would be interesting if you could like anonymize it to is that the right word whatever um <laughs> where they wouldn't hurt your feelings Right. Cause I think that's the biggest thing is that, um, they don't want to hurt your feelings, which is nice of them, but at the same time, it doesn't help you grow as much. Yeah. Right? They're always going to tell you when they really liked it or. Yeah. And then we have kind of have this illusion of like, Oh, I'm killing it. They love it, but yeah. they might only love like six out of 10 of the workouts that we wrote or whatever. Hmm. Right. Interesting. Um, all right, well, we'll wrap up here shortly. How can people find you Sierra? Uh, so my website is sierrakellogg.com. Uh-huh. Um, and then my Instagram is sierratraining. 
Okay. And you mentioned online coaching a little bit, right? Is that something that you focus on more than in person or do you focus more on in person? How does that kind of work? So right now it's about, I would say I have more in-person clients right now than online. Um, uh-huh. It doesn't, it kind of just depends on who I can take at different times and how it ends up working out schedule wise. Um, so I am starting to try and build up the online business. Uh-huh. Um, so that's, kind of where I'm going, but I do really enjoy working in person. So I'm hoping to kind of do 50, 50 little. Yeah. And, and what's the end game after I know you, that you're in school right now, after you finish up with school, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? So it's kind of a long road far away, but, um, my, my ultimate dream is to open a wellness center. So to have a wellness center that's focused on movement, nutrition, um, counseling and therapy and also like chiropractic acupuncture all in one place. Hmm. So the ideal situation would be that a client could come in and have like all of those things at their disposal in one building. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I'm interested in like mind body connection. So movement therapy, um, yoga, all of that. Huh. It's almost like a pro sports team model, but for <laughs> your own business. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Are there any places that do that or are working on kind of like that entire piece right now that you know of? So actually there's, it's kind of funny. I moved into Long Beach and there's a place like two blocks down from me called Sacred Roots, which Mm -hmm. is kind of like what I want to start, although they don't have the movement element in it. So Mm -hmm. they have like massage, they have acupuncture, they have, they're like a holistic wellness center, but they don't have movement, which is a huge part of what I want to do. So Mm -hmm. But otherwise, they have a lot of different services there that I would be interested in offering where in the space that I open. You should work with them while you're in school. Yeah. I know. I need to go over and talk to them. So Interesting. Um, okay, well, any parting words you want to leave the audience with? Uh, I don't think so. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. It was a pleasure. Um, okay, well, we'll wrap there. Sierra, Kel- Sierra Kellogg, Sierra Training. Um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and thank you so much for coming on the fitness retention podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye.